checking in with Global Athlete. Hello and welcome to this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Today we'll be talking with two representatives of Global Athlete, the advocacy group acting on behalf of elite athletes around the globe. Formed about two years ago in the midst of the controversy over the doping saga involving Russian athletes, Global Athlete aims to provide a bottoms-up approach to issues involving athletes, from doping to marketing to governance of sport. Our guests today are Rob Keeler, the Montreal-based executive director, and Kara O'Donovan, a world champion kickboxer who has switched sports and is on her way to the Tokyo Olympics, uh, that is, until the drama of the coronavirus postponed those games until 2021. She joins us from her home in Ireland. Cara O'Donovan, welcome to Around the Rings Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me here. And Rob Keeler in Montreal, thank you for being with us today. Uh, thank you, Ed, for having us uh, again on your show. Uh, first of all, the reaction to the decisions about postponing the Tokyo Olympics. This is uh, an issue which Global Athlete took a position on. You had advocated for a postponement of the Games by one year. Um, Cara, first of all, your reaction as an athlete, were, were you in favor of this postponement of a year? Um, yeah, for for even since before they postponed it, that's something that I had hoped that they would do because um, I'm obviously I can't say what it was like in every country around the world, but certainly where I'm based, everything had shut down. Um, and the qualification looked, um, the whole process for qualification looked like it was going to be an absolute mess. So um, because I couldn't train, didn't know anything about qualification. And obviously the whole serious, more serious side of it was people were getting very sick. Uh, everything was shutting down. It just made sense that this was going to be postponed. So um, the earlier that decision was made, the better. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of a relief. Obviously, you're disappointed because everything you're working towards has just been put off for another year, but I think common sense had to prevail. So it was, um, yeah, it was kind of a, a relief, and I think the right decision. And you had qualified for Tokyo? Uh, not yet, no. So I was aiming towards qualification. So our, our initial qualification event was supposed to be held in early May, and um, that obviously has now been cancelled and postponed. So um, it, I, I've no idea when that's going to happen, or or if it's going to happen in a similar format. Um, hopefully, it'll happen this time next year um, but we're still kind of in the dark as to what's how that's going to work out um, so I hadn't qualified but it was obviously on the on the way to qualification that was the plan and if you had qualified uh, would it be fair for you to retain your qualification for a year hence uh, for a year from now when I don't know your condition may be different the competition may be different that is one of the uh, uh, stipulations the IOC put in there their, their postponement that athletes who had qualified for these games should be considered qualified for Tokyo in 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think it, it's the only fair, uh, fairest uh, way to do it because not athletes haven't just been training for a few months for this. They've been training possibly their entire careers or for years leading up to this moment. So if they've qualified, I think the fairest um, outcome would be is that they would hold on to that qualification place and be given the same kind of opportunity to compete, even if it is a year later. So, yeah, if I had qualified, um, I would be expecting fully that I'd keep my place. 
but you're ready to uh, compete through the next year to keep your, your form in shape and, and, and qualify for 2021 when you do get eventually word about how that will take place. Yeah, well, that's the plan anyway. So for now, um, obviously, we have to sit back and, and just wait and see how long this pandemic. Uh, obviously, I want to still compete. Um, I'm not but I, I think another year isn't out of the question. So, yeah, for me, I'm hoping to get back to some form of normality as soon as possible and, and then get back training and hopefully qualify for the Games next year. You're, you you spent 20 years in kickboxing before you switched sports to karate. What's your age right now? I'm just 36 uh, last month. So, yeah, it's been 20 years in kickboxing and then the last almost three years in, in karate. So I kind of did a, a switch over once it was announced that it was going to be in the Rio, or sorry in the Tokyo Games. Um, so like that experience obviously has stood to me. There's a lot of similarities between the sport, but I'm definitely coming towards the end of the career uh, at this stage. But you never know, I might have a few more years left. Kara O'Donovan is one of our guests here on this edition of Around the Rings Radio, a karate ka from Ireland hoping to compete in the Tokyo Olympics of 2021, as it will be right now. Rob Keeler from Global Athlete. Uh, athletes around the world were in support of this postponement of the games. How long had that, you know, call for uh, a postponement been building as far as you can tell? Yeah, I think athletes were in a little bit of an uneasy position um, given the messaging that was coming from the International Olympic Committee. And we heard from many of them when, when the IOC came out to announce um, that athletes should continue to train and they needed four weeks to make a decision whether they're going to postpone. And while athletes are being locked down and, and being told to self-isolate uh, or the, in their communities, the International Olympic Committee was telling them to continue business as usual. I, re I remember when the IOC made that statement and the amount of athletes we had reaching out to us. We, we prepared a release the very next day, but before going out with that release, demanding that the IOC make an immediate decision, we had to make sure we were getting the pulse and the opinions of the majority of athletes. So we spent an entire week communicating with athletes, with athlete groups, and, and making sure that this is what they wanted. And you know, I would say 99% of the athletes we talked to wanted an announcement to postpone the, the games. They wanted it now, and they didn't want to be living in the unknown. And, and that's why... We were so vocal. Uh, we worked with many athletes and athlete groups behind the scenes, uh, helping them become vocal. And, and I think this movement of athletes to request and demand the IOC make a decision immediately was, was significant and potentially a turning point in athlete activism moving forward. We said very clearly it was a bittersweet victory for athletes. On one hand, they had to put their dreams on hold, but on the other hand, it showed the power of their voice and that they can influence how sport is governed and decisions sports are making. So I think it was an important movement uh, that was the athletes took, and uh, now it's a wait and see on, on, as Kara said, how this pandemic plays out and what are the next steps. But at least we, we have a clear message to, to athletes uh, that the things are on hold, and moving forward, we want to make sure that every decision the IOC makes uh, takes public health into consideration, make sure athlete safety is in consideration, 
look at what it means in terms of anti-doping, clear qualification standards, and making sure training conditions are suitable for anyone to continue back. So those are the things we have on our plate. We want to make sure we continue to push. Kara, do you feel that there is sufficient support, interest in the safety and welfare of athletes by uh, the National Olympic Committees and national governing bodies for your sports, the international federations? Is athlete safety more than just something that uh, the, the sports administrators give lip service to? Um, it's a really tough question to answer. Um, I guess from my point of view, uh, one of the concerns I have, first of all, is that there's not a lot of communication coming our way. So um, even if you look at it, my international federation and my own NOC, it's, it's getting better. Like they are communicating more with athletes, but it's hard to, to know if it's lip service or if there's genuine concern because we don't always know what the information is, what um, what's really going on behind closed doors because communication probably could improve. Um, but I mean, you'd you'd like to give people the benefit of the doubt and hope that athlete welfare is a major concern. Um, but it's it's very hard to answer that question because, that, to be honest, I I don't really know um, an awful lot of what is happening behind the scenes because communication is quite poor. Well, 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 yeah. What kind of communication? What would you like to hear from these organizations? Do you hear from the IOC Athletes Commission, for example? Um, not directly, no. So I know they they do have updates on their website, and and we are encouraged to check in with that. But I think at the minute the 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 communications that's there is very one way, um, and they really only include athlete representatives within the Olympic movement. Um, so for example, if I if I wanted to have a different athlete representative that's not established by the uh, IOC that's not really taken into consideration. So I think that is something that needs to change. But I also think even within my own sport, um, it will be good if athletes are able to kind of input into the actual decision-making before uh, decisions are made rather than just being talked down to and being told, look, this is what we're doing um, and we'll update you later. So the, to me, it's, it's very much one-way communication and also there isn't enough representatives uh, for athletes that don't necessarily fit the mold of the Olympic Movement Athlete Commissions. Uh, Rob Keeler, you just said this episode with the coronavirus may influence athlete governance or the role of athletes in governance of sport in the future. How do you think this might change things? Yeah, I think we're seeing it already. At the, I'll give you one example is Christian Taylor and Emma Colburn, who are leading the charge on the Athletics Association. You know, when this the whole situation went was was up in the air in terms of whether the postponement should happen immediately. They reached out to over a thousand athletics athletes through their new association, and over seventy six percent of athletes uh, indicated that it need to be postponed immediately. And that's followed up by and a little bit what Kara says is the one way communication. I think yesterday the World Athletics released the new qualification standards. And today, the Athletics Association went out and did a survey, um, or doing a survey with all their athletes to find out whether it was fair and it makes sense. We have to rethink the way we move things forward. These are rules that affect directly athletes, and I would have liked to see it the other way around, where the Athletics Association, the athletes that are involved in the sport, are polled, are questioned, and asked whether these standards are, are in line with what their thinking is and get their feedback, and then come out with a set of uh, standards on how to move forward. So the 
it's a little bit backwards right now, especially given that athletes are the ones uh, putting the product on the field or, or on the uh, in the stadiums. So I think more engagement, and we're seeing that happen now. And we're working with several different international athlete groups to try to organize and to help them along to ensure that they are the ones pushing and uh, for change and bringing an athlete-centered approach to this. And, and it's not a threat. This is an ability to help grow the sport. And I think sport coming out of this pandem- pandemic is going to need athlete involvement and athlete engagement to bring it back to the level it was and to bring it even further than it can be. So we're keen to work with, with these athlete groups and we are doing it now and we'll continue to, to do so. And it's, it's definitely a, a, a momentum time for sponsors to get involved as well to put that athlete first mentality uh, to sh- ensure sport becomes, becomes stronger and better. Yeah, what do you expect the sponsors to be able to contribute to this? Well, I think sponsors should look at taking that approach and, and helping these independent athlete groups that are being established. And nationally, you have an organization such as Athletes Can. We've seen what Athletes Germany had done in terms of Rule 40 and, and opening up and loosening the, the marketing capacity of athletes at the Games. So I think sponsors not only investing into the games and to the events, but directly into groups, athlete groups that can both grow the sport, uh, enhance the athlete right, rights, and the perception that athletes are the number one commodity. Um, and I, so I, we would like to see some accountability from the sponsors and also make the sponsors, uh, ensuring the sponsors are making the, the IOC, the International Paralympic Committee, the International Federations accountable. If they're spending this much money, then surely there should be some key performance indicators that they expect from, from sport on how they're dealing with athlete healthy, health, health and safety. Kara, uh, what about the involvement of sponsors in, 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 in your, your training, your work, and the preparation of other athletes uh, from, from Ireland? Uh, do you get the support you need? Do you get that, the, the financial support and the moral support that maybe Rob is uh, sort of referring to right now? Um, well, it's, it's, I guess it's a, a two kind of answers to that. It would be different um, if I was taking it from a generic perspective. But in an Irish sport here, um, there's been very poor communication from our funders through, you know, Sport Ireland and, and certain athletes maybe feel that they haven't been looked after as well as other athletes. So there's definitely a two-tier system that's um, an issue for, from from my perspective but I'd echo everything that Rob is saying that you'd like to see that sponsors will um, you know take a, a fair approach to any of the postponement that they'll support athletes through the, the next year if they've already agreed to uh, support them up into the Tokyo Games um, and that they you know show their integrity when it comes to stuff like this and, and support athletes through this so that, that'd be my take on it and I'd, I'd echo everything Rob was saying. One of the one of the uh, issues that has been sort of postponed because of this uh, change in dates is the uh, way athletes at these Olympics will be able to associate themselves with their particular sponsors in a way that they haven't been in past Olympic Games uh, able to exploit that connection better, give their sponsors more recognition, and uh, take advantage of that. Um, was that going to help you um, at the Olympic Games? Do you have commercial uh, arrangements that would, that would help you along those lines, Kara? 
Yeah, well, it's uh, some of the um, changes that have come about through my own NSC here have been quite difficult for um, to fit the original qualification process for my sport. So they the, let's just say the dates that you had to pre-approve your list of sponsors comes way before our qualification uh, event happens. So there's stuff like that that needs to be ironed out. It d- doesn't suit some sports, it suits others. Um and like so that's still I, I mean I think possibly one of the good things of the postponement is that that there's perhaps more time to review this because I know for example my team uh, member agreement for for Team Ireland was due to be returned and signed um by the end of last March but I've asked for for that now to be um postponed and, and they've agreed that there will be a new contractor team member agreement drawn up um for next year so possibly that gives athletes more time to to work with their NOC and, and come up with ways that's a fair way to kind of bring sponsors in um, and get some sort of um, more fair fairness for the athletes in this. So, yeah, possibly one good thing that could come out of this. And, Rob, what is the uh, – how is it looking on a, on a global uh, perspective for this change in the so-called Rule 50 of the IOC that allows the uh, athletes to uh, – take advantage of their, their sponsorships uh, a bit more fully during the games. Um, are, are, are all athletes around the world able to take advantage of this, or is it just uh, being isolated to a, to a few larger of the NOCs? Yeah, currently in terms of Rule 40, it, it has been isolated to six or seven National Olympic committees that are the larger ones that have um, relax the rules a little bit. I don't think any of them have compared to what Germany had done, which we still think is is not far enough. Um, but it seemed to be that the the Olympic committees were coming up with more public relation campaigns to say they've relaxed Rule 40 um, when an athlete can only thank their sponsor once at the games. So there are a lot, still a lot of restrictions, and we'd like to see that that whole rule redeveloped and not just um, and not just relaxed. The athletes are are the are undervalued. Uh, they are the influencers in in sport, and people follow the athletes. We are looking at one percent of athletes that that live a a very good quality of life based on sport. The rest struggle to pay their rents, and at a multi billion dollar industry, uh, the governance of it hasn't changed in forty plus years. So I think looking at ways of of ensuring athletes can can leverage their, their abilities and their sponsorships during the games is crucially important, and it really needs to change moving forward. And again, we talk about growth. We talk with sponsors who believe that the cross-functioning and multi-sponsorship agreements can work and, and can help grow what we're trying to make athletes into, and that's professional professionals that run every day and ensure they're prepared for the games or, or any competition that they're competing in. So more needs to be done. Um, and we're going to be continue to push and help other athletic commissions um, obtain that. We encouraged the Association of National Olympic Committees to put a rule forward that every National Olympic Committee must, must adopt a similar standard to the Germans uh, as a first instance. But of course, they continue to pass the buck to uh, the National Olympic Committees to say it's their responsibility to do. And athletes have a hard time collectively getting together and, and to knock on the door of a a president or secretary general of a national Olympic committee demanding that the rule will be changed. Um, every, the world is a very diverse area and it's harder to do in some countries than others. And that's why we want to see a top-down approach on this one. 
One of the consequences of this corona medical crisis is the impact that it is having on out-of-competition drug testing, or for that matter, if there were competitions, drug testing at these events. Um, what what are your worries about the uh, about the effect of uh, the the uh, the travel ban and other disruptions to business that are occurring in the anti-doping campaign? Rob, have a look at that. Yeah, I think the anti-doping falls in with a whole bunch of other things we have to look at moving forward to the Games. And that's where I'd like to see a roadmap come from the International Olympic Committee to say, if the pandemic hasn't um, hasn't eased up and when communities being able to operate as normal, there should be a cutoff date. Because anti-doping is one thing that's affected, and athletes that are going to cheat are probably going to take this opportunity. I don't believe athletes who have already made that decision to compete clean are going to change their their moral stance because of the, of the pandemic. But it does provide those that do uh, an opportunity. The same we talk about for qualifications and, and training conditions, that there should be a lead in time that athletes agree to, that if the pandemic hasn't stopped, um, uh, we have, don't have it under control by a certain date, then we need to consider whether even July 2021 makes sense. And that provides the transparency that I think everyone's looking for, uh, because as we get closer and things haven't loosened up, I think you're going to see people taking more risks, athletes taking more risks to to prepare and get that competitive edge leading into the games. So I think all those things need to take into consideration. I do understand that USADA is trying to come up with something uh, in a unique unique way to use technology to reach out to their athletes. Um, My guess is there's potentially launching that in the coming weeks. So we'll have to wait and see what that is and, and how it could how it could contribute to ensuring clean sport. Um, but it is a concern for athletes that we've spoken to that they're concerned that there potentially could be some doping. Um, I would make a call out to every athlete to be a part of the solution and, and ensure you, you promote that level playing field by staying clean. Yeah, Carl, what do you think about the uh, disruption there has been to the uh doping regime as a result of uh, corona has have have people been able to take advantage of this to unfair unfair advantage yeah and i i think it's like what what rob is saying is that there there's there's more issues uh rather than just the anti-doping side of it i mean the whole unfairness comes into play of where there some people can train and other people can't all around the world and if we're not getting adequate lead-in times to qualification events, um, it's not going to be very fair on specific athletes. But yeah, there, as Rob says, there's lots of concern over um, the fact that certain athletes will take this opportunity to cheat. If I to look at myself, I mean, I've I've made no secret that I have issues within the Irish anti-doping system. There's there's certain sports that don't get tested. Um, combat sports being uh, the majority of those so I mean I I have my own issues there with lack of testing in my sport but I mean in general if if, if we take a look at it from a bigger perspective not just my own perspective um, there is concern out there but it's not just in relation to anti-doping there's concern around training and, and safe training leading times to qualification leading times to the games and how all of that's going to work out in a fair kind of way to keep athletes safe as well so those are a lot of the concerns that need to be looked at and I think we need to be communicated with at the minute um, I think it's fair to say that most athletes are completely in the dark as to what's happening next and maybe that's just a a case that 
the IOC and the task force organising this, they're not sure themselves and the international federations aren't sure themselves. But I think the sooner they can communicate and work with athletes for that, the better. Uh, Rob Keeler just mentioned uh, the possibility that maybe things aren't ready in 2021 as they should be for the Olympics, required for the Olympics. Uh, you might have to take a, a deep, uh, deep gulp there, Kara. What's the possibility that... 2021 may not be the right year for the Tokyo Olympics, even with a postponement of one year. Yeah, I mean, that's very possible. I mean, there's so much things to be considered. And I mean, if you're looking at um, having a vaccine ready or if there's going to be another wave of this pandemic affecting certain areas again, I mean, like travel restrictions, we don't know when, you know, long, long haul travel is going to be back in up and running. So there's just so many factors. And then obviously the cost involved in hosting the games a year later. Um, so, yeah, there is so many ifs and uh, uncertainty around it. So you kind of have to go with it a little bit um but obviously if, if they don't happen in, and if cancellation comes on the cards it'll be devastating not only to me but to a lot of athletes so hopefully things will will work out and, and maybe in a year's time we'll be looking ahead to the games but um it's hard to know at this point is it the sort of thing that you can't compromise on if conditions aren't right if things don't seem to be fair would you support not having the olympics yeah i mean i think if it's a case that they're the safety is a major concern and public health safety isn't going to be a priority. Well, then obviously a games will always come a second to that. And that's my perspective on it. Um, but as, as Rob said, we, we would have to get the perspective of a lot more athletes than myself. But yeah, from a personal point of view, I think athlete safety and public safety is always going to trump any sport event. In a, in a practical way, how has coronavirus affected you and other athletes in Ireland? Well, so everything here is has been shut down for a couple of weeks. So um, I, I was probably one of the first athletes along with other um, sports, like combat sports, where you need sparring partners to train a high, at a high level. So we were probably impacted first. So we could do some training and I can still train at home and do some conditioning work, but um, proper kind of high level, intense sparring, all of that has been stopped for a few weeks. But I think um, a couple of weeks ago, all of our sports facilities shut down. So even people that are maybe in canoe or some of those sports where they can train alone, they can't go within, you can only stay within two kilometers now of your home. Um, and there's new kind of legislation come into force in Ireland here. So if you break that, you know, you could be... Um, uh, fined or, or prosecuted for that so completely shut down here so it has affected everybody's training and athletes are doing the best they can they're doing some training from home but I mean I think as most people can appreciate you can't train at the same intensity um, with a very small space and lack of equipment or coaching that you would do in your in your typical training environment so yeah it's 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 affected training from that point of view but look as long as everyone's safe and healthy um and we've get, we're, and we're given enough time to prepare adequately. Then, when things pick up again, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue. Uh, Rob Keeler, how do you think the coronavirus changes the way international sport, the business of international sport and sporting events, are conducted? What's it, what's it going to look like once we get past this pandemic? Well, I think sport is going to go into the same problem as the rest of society and. 
It's going to be a, an outshoot. Um, it's going to be difficult. We're, we've seen some sports already suffering uh, from the economic uh, fallout from this. And that's where I think there's an opportunity here for, and I mentioned this before, for sports to meaningfully engage the athletes because the athletes can help grow the sport and, and move it into a different direction. And I think at a time when we're talking about people working together, um, this pandemic has realized that everyone has the part to play in, in overcoming it and to minimize the spread. I flip it the other way is that now we, when we jump out of this, um, the, the pandemic, that the sport movement has an opportunity to engage and meaningfully engage athletes and athlete groups to to help get us out, to make it stronger, and to bring that growth back quicker than we could ever imagine. So I think there's an opportunity here. It would be really disappointing if, if the sport movement doesn't take that um, that call for athlete engagement and athlete involvement. And, and benefit from what can come from it. We are surely going to continue to push for it. Uh, we're going to continue to work with athlete groups to to allow them to organize collectively and to push sport to to listen to their voice and be a part of the decision making progress. And Kara, uh, yeah, meaningful representation is something specifically you've uh, written about, uh, spoken about. Uh, something you want to see come to all sports yeah for sure I mean it I think there's such an opportunity now while while we've almost kind of put a reset button on sport um or pause button to allow athletes to have their say and to be represented and um and not just give it lip service but to to allow athletes um a meaningful voice and however that um works out or however that looks like I mean we're more than happy to give our suggestions and to be to be working with people who are sitting at that decision making table but I think now more than ever it's 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 important um as somebody who's been in sport for a long time I've never really felt that that's been the case and I think a lot of athletes would agree some might disagree but uh, uh I think a lot of athletes do agree that now is the time that they're given an equal say and an adequate representation in sport thanks very much Kara O'Donovan, good luck to you on the journey ahead for you, hopefully to Tokyo. Thanks very much, fingers crossed. <laughs> Rob Keeler, Executive Director of Global Athlete. You've been a guest before on Around the Ring Radio, and it's a pleasure to have you back with us again. Uh, thanks, Ed. Always a pleasure to be with you. And you've been listening to Around the Rings Radio. I'm your host, Ed Hula. Thanks for joining us today. For more than 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.